0: Hello, I'd like to thank the delegates for your interest in watching Geo Convention's Industry Leaders Fireside Chats. I'm Alison Esri, co-chair of the Industry leader Session and moderator for this chat on helium. I am happy to introduce the business leader for this topic, David Johnson, who is the CEO of Imperial Helium, a Canadian company. David, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join the chat. I'd like to start with having you give a short bio yourself for the delegates.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Allison, it's a great pleasure to be here. So my name is David Johnson. I'm a geologist. Uh, Came out of the University of Calgary, worked with Shell Canada Resources Limited, uh, went off and did a PhD and and wound up with Exxon Production Research, then uh, worked uh, with Husky, with Frontier International here and sort of did my own startup and worked globally uh, with KOC and and, uh, Cuffbeck. Came back to Calgary and had an opportunity to start pursuing. helium and so I've been working on helium now for about four years.
0: Thanks David. Okay, let's begin with you giving an overview of what industries use helium which is regarded as non-renewable and can you talk about the concentrations or helium grades that are needed to be economic and for what products?
1: Right, helium has a broad spectrum of usage because of its properties Um, and so it has a diverse use from an industrial perspective. Helium is inert. It doesn't react with anything. So it's used to create pure environments for manufacturing silicone chips, fiber optic cables, high temperature arc welding. NASA, a lot of space applications use it. About 30% of its total usage is in that space. Now, helium also has unique property that it can... used to create frictionless environments as you can imagine if you can use something to create frictionless environments on earth that is also pure that's a unique environment to do experiments and about 21 percent of helium is used for research purposes and medical purposes then about Um, Another 21% is used for cooling. And that's because helium as a commodity has has a tremendous thermal capacity. It has the ability to hold heat. Um, It also has the ability to dispel heat very quickly because of the Joule-Thompson effect. That's when gas expands and it cools. So it's very efficient at moving helium away. So MRIs don't exist without helium. It's that simple. The electromagnets produce so much heat, helium works to do that. About 21% gets used for that. Now, helium is one of the two gases we can use to get off the Earth without propulsion, helium and hydrogen. It's the only one that doesn't explode. And then the last thing is that helium is the smallest molecule. It's actually smaller than hydrogen because the nucleus of the molecule has two protons and two neutrons, so the electrons fly closer. Um, And the end result is it is the smallest molecule. So it's used for leak detection and, and things where you need the small molecules to to find holes so it's about 12 percent is used for that so it has you can see it has this diverse range of uses that being said um, helium can be economic at very low concentrations so natural gas somewhere between two dollars and four dollars for a thousand cubic feet helium at five nine grade, which is ninety nine point nine 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 percent pure, that's mostly for industrial purposes. Somewhere between you know four hundred and a thousand dollars a cubic feet. So hundreds of times oh, yeah. more valuable than than natural gas. So economic concentrations sort of in the the one percent to half percent range.
0: Great. Okay. And so who? I mean. Those of us who had to have MRIs on our knees, thank you for looking at helium. Um, who are those main buyers? Are these Canadian companies? Uh, who are the buyers that, where are the current helium sold?
1: Yeah, uh, the major buyers, the helium industry is kind of an interesting place. Um, a little background might be helpful here. So it grew up out of Texas and and in Oklahoma, where the major reserves of helium were in the United States. And interestingly enough, it was owned by the US government down the Bureau. And so it was sold through the Bureau of Land Management. And out of that, basically, four major players emerged. And you know them all, Lind, Praxair, Air Liquid, and Air Products. And they have about 80 to 85% of the global market for helium. That's the global market. So they're the primary buyers and resellers and distributors. There are other companies that are entering the mark. Uh, Matheson is trying to move in. Awatani is trying to move. Unipur is is moving in as well. And uh, so there are other companies that are moving in into this space as well. Those are the major buyers of helium.
0: Okay. And so can you tell us a little bit more about then the current helium projects that are in Canada um, and globally?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in Canada, th- this goes back a little bit to, to price. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go sideways for a little bit here, and, but it, it figures into the story. Sure. Uh, price was pretty stable. Um, with the four major competitors until 2013. And in 2013, the US recognized that they were not gonna be able to supply helium to the world. Um, So they said by, by 2018, we will be pretty much through selling helium. And in 2018, competition entered the market price and the price jumped from around $100 to $150. It jumped up to about $337 for a 1,000 cubic feet. There was a big increase in price. And after that, the commodity becomes opaque because all the agreements are behind closed doors. Um, so what happened with that big spike was that people in the resource sector recognized that there was a shortage of helium that was coming and that there was a need for more. Now, the U.S., when they took this gas off the market, took 2.1 billion cubic feet out of a 6.3 billion cubic foot uh, demand space. So roughly a third got knocked off the market. So you can imagine competition really began to go. And Prior to that time, Whale, in uh, down in the Mancota area of south uh, western Saskatchewan, was probably the only producer in Canada. Since that time, a number of companies have entered and developed uh, the industry inside of Canada. Down along the southern border, um, Thor is a private company that, that produces a helium, the only producer of helium in Alberta. Um, uh, Avanti is is in the land game down there. North American Helium is a large landholder in, in Saskatchewan and Royal helium is is out there as well. but there's been uh, there's been increase in the United States as well with a number of companies you all heard of Desert Mountain and Blue Star and and several other companies. So there's been a big increase in the number of people number of companies looking for helium. Okay, and,
0: great. Sorry, and so when we look at those helium projects, um, are many of them producing along with the natural gas or are they producing just pure helium?
1: Well, the, the ones down in, uh, in Southern, down in Saskatchewan and are primarily producing uh, with, uh, with nitrogen, uh, nitrogen and CO2. Right. Um, and, but that being said, um, when you look at the distribution across the province, and part of our strategy, what we're doing, is we're looking for helium where it's already been found. So 650,000 wells in Alberta, 189,000 of them have gas analysis, so we know where the distribution is. About 2,000 of, of those wells have heliums at greater than half a percent. So we have an idea, and the distribution's all the way across the province, and, and that makes good sense because helium is a product of radioactive decay. Basically, uranium goes to thorium, and when uranium throws out uh, an alpha particle, which is two protons and two neutrons, it grabs the first two electrons that are around it, it becomes helium, it's stable for eternity, um, and then it migrates up. And as it migrates up, it bumps into hydrocarbons. And so uh, there is quite a bit of helium that is trapped along with hydrocarbons throughout the province. The big challenge is that helium is the smallest molecule so you have to have an extremely effective seal in order in order to trap the helium and 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 that's part of the challenge in finding where it's where it's located but most of the helium to answer your question directly most of the helium in Canada is now is currently produced uh with reservoirs that are dominantly nitrogen and co2 and have some methane associated with them okay
0: so you know this is in terms of how this is going to translate to markets going forward we know that the prices for helium as you mentioned were high pre-pandemic and you know three hundred dollars and upwards to mcf uh compared to something like two to four dollars mcf for natural gas so what do you think is going to going forward now as we get out of hopefully out of the pandemic are we going to sustain those prices is that going to continue
1: you know, it's these are really, really interesting times um, in the helium because helium is moving from being a North American centric uh, industry with supplying the world to being a global uh, a, a global commodity and there's some issues around around it. So other places in the world that generate helium, that produce helium are Algeria and Qatar and Russia uh, and they're the dominant other suppliers uh, out there. So about of the world's helium comes through the Straits of Hormuz now. Um, There are two major projects. So Exxon partnered with uh, the Qatar National Oil Company in Qatar to sequester helium. And they partnered, Oxxon also partnered with Sonitrack to sequester helium. So they're a big player in this whole picture. Now, when the price jumped up, basically there was a lot of economic rent captured and you've got an industry dominated by 85%. So my thinking is the price is going to stay high. And the two reasons I have really are, one, economic rent. There's very little reason why those companies would want to give up that economic rent, or uh, the Sonatrak or the Cutter company either. And I think there's very little reason that the Russians would want to flood the market with, with helium, even with their big Amara gas project, to cause the market to become competitive and lose, lose that price point. So there's not much gain in that. That's one reason why I don't think the price is going to go down, but it's not the largest reason. The largest reason has to do with the nature of helium itself. So helium, in order to be transported efficiently, needs to be transported as a liquid but it's the very last thing to become a liquid. Uh, so it becomes a liquid at minus 272 degrees. That's 1.15 degrees above absolute zero, the place where all molecular motion stops. So you can imagine it's a process and it's energy intensive to get the helium into liquid form. Then when it's transported, it's transported in something called an ISO container. And you could go to the LIND website and look this up. They basically look like a, a sausage inside a, a C-can frame. And they're transported like sea cans you know, on container ships. So helium is made into liquid. These containers hold about 1.1 million cubic feet of helium, and then they get onto a container ship. There aren't ships just transporting helium, they're a regular container ship, and then they get shipped. The catch is that there's only a seven week, 40 day shelf life for those, mm. those ISO containers begin to, before they begin to leak. So helium is mm. on an on demand product there's no efficient way to store it in large volumes so it's not like oil where you can have big tanks of it sitting around it has to arrive and that shapes the market it looks more like liquid natural gas than it does like like a bulk commodity so it's uh the people down in australia pay ten dollars for a thousand cubic feet of gas because they sell it out of darwin in into china at ten dollars a cubic feet we can't get well, until recently, more than $2 a cubic foot for our gas um, because there's so much gas produced in the United States out of the Permian Basin that it floods the market and we can't get enough offshore to make our prices rise because we can't transport it and store it efficiently. So you get market localization and that's what I think we're going to see more driving the price in North America. The US took 2.1 billion cubic feet off the market. We're in Canada, we're selling into that vacuum and we're close. So the gas could be transported and it could be transported as a compressed commodity as opposed to a liquid commodity.
0: That's great, it's uh, as contrary to say some of the oil pipeline problems we have, it seems that having the border that close actually really, really is a benefit at this point.
1: It really is, Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so let's talk about then what you think about when you look to see what makes a helium project profitable in Canada as compared to say globally. We talked about that a little bit here but in terms of local people in terms of you know what what kind of synergies do they have to have in terms of getting it off the ground and and you know making that work in terms of their infrastructure
1: yeah he, helium's uh, helium helium is is explored for much the way we explore for uh, for natural gas or or for oil and gas we're just looking for concentrations of helium so the traditional exploration from a geological perspective is is pretty much the same aside from the identification when it comes to the facilities the facilities are a little bit different um it's not off the shelf uh, the helium separations basically the way it works is helium is separated on uh, on the ground itself um the site itself and the custody point is at the end of the plant that is on the site um, helium separated through two pro st- stage process one's a filter one is vacuum pressure assist, vacuum pressure swing adsorption. vacuum pressure swing absorption there we go um, and uh, that takes us to 99.9% pure then it gets compressed into tube trailers and hauled away to market that's how it works um, so it, it, it can be done but you have to know how to separate it, it's not quite that simple. Um, the opportunities clearly exist inside Canada to explore for helium. I think we're at the beginning of the development of an industry here in Canada because there is a lot of helium. I've had a map that you can see it even on my website that's, that's out there that shows the distribution of of helium uh, across the industry. Those of you that know Alberta will recognize a concentration in the sweet in the Peace River arch area, and you'll see another concentration down in the sweetgrass arch area. But then what you'll see a shotgun blast across the rest of the province. And what these basically are, are helium that is migrated through and trapped in all the different traps that you're that you're acquainted with um, across the basin. Um, the challenge that Alberta will have around this and, and those that are rushing to the field to do this is that you'll find that most of these fields are already depleted. Um, and so the resources are down quite low. So to run the numbers, you know, if you got 10 million cubic feet a day and you've got 1% helium, then that's 100,000 cubic feet of helium. And at a modest $250 per thousand cubic feet, that's $25,000 a day of revenue or $9.1 million a year. And you go, fantastic. You know, a separator cost me $4 million it'll pay off in six months and we'll all be rich. Yeah. Okay. Um, now we look at the number of wells out there that are being found at 10 million cubic feet a day, and you'll recognize there aren't many left in Alberta. Um, right. Really, there's a lot of wells that are down at 1%, or sorry, at 1 million cubic feet a day. So a 10th, about the place that we abandon them. Right. Well, at a 10th, where you abandon them, take the numbers, divide it by a 10 it's about the same thing, so $910,000 a year pays out in four years. Not a great business, but it is a workable business, um, and and that's the kind of opportunity that, that's out there.
0: Okay, uh, so given that, you know, it sounds like you're going to be competing with capital uh, from, you know, against the traditional Canadian oil and gas investment. How, how do you see investment right now happening for heating in Canada?
1: You know, it's been interesting uh, in terms of raising capital in in the marketplace, the people that have been interested. Um, the larger interest by far is in the resource community, but not in the oil and gas resource community. The interest has been predominantly in uh, in the mineral resource sector um, that most of the capital funding has been through, that, uh, that and in funds that are ESG, so we're about 50%. At IPO, we were about 50% um, uh, funds and about uh, 40% retail and another, another about 10% uh, management. Uh, and and so we have been able to attract, because we are ESG, we're not we're friendly to the environment. We have about 3.5% methane, which we'll use as fuel gas. We have about 8% uh, CO2, which will get sequestered. And nitrogen can go into the atmosphere, because the nat- atmosphere is 80% helium so in terms of our project and where we're we're going right now um, uh, that's 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 our approach other people coming into the industry will face other challenges around their prospects Um, if you have something that at the far end of the spectrum which has has hydrogen sulfide and um, condensates and co2 then then in order to separate the helium out, you have to address all those issues first. You've, you've got to, the helium separating unit basically works on a clean dry gas basis. So you have to put all the money that's associated with that processing system first.
0: Right, and 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 so some of those projects that are in Saskatchewan for instance that are, I think it's like they're 90, 80% something like that, or 98% nitrogen are, are a little bit better Situated this time because they don't have to worry about some of
1: those nastiness. That's right. Bent- much, 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 much simpler. But when you consider the province as a whole and you think about the gas resources in Alberta, a lot right. of those gas resources are associated with hydrogen sulfide. The hydrogen sulfide is an issue. CO2 is corrosive and is not an, isn't an issue. All those problems have to be dealt with before you can actually get around to to processing. So it's not as simple as just let's go do it, kind of Right, it, it,
0: right, right, yeah, okay. It all so, has to be worked out. Right. right. So, if you had to just sort of summarize, you know, what you think are those top three challenges? Say, for instance, right now for the healing industry going forward, you know, pricing looks to be okay. What, what, what do you think are those top three? Uh, challenges that the that you
1: guys and the helium industry in general are facing. Well, aside from the technical challenges, I think the real challenges that we're facing out there have to do with um, the fact that helium, as an industry, is is not really recognized yet. Um, and what I say is, okay, uh, on the federal level, uh, helium was defined as a critical resource just last just this year. Um, but the, at the CRA level, the taxing level, okay. helium, the technical opinion of the federal government, it's an older one, um, is that helium is neither a natural gas nor is it a mineral. So it doesn't qualify for CEEs and CDEs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, significant issue. Uh, when you When you consider it at at more the provincial level, uh, the province recognized the value of helium and brought in a royalty. And then as Albertan, yay. And as a, as a guy that has to pay the royalty, maybe not so much. Um, but you know, that being said, it's, it is there, but that's as far as it's gone. They haven't recognized the need to help assist the industry in its development. And it is important to Alberta, particularly in these times. Um, that being said, there isn't from a securities, from a markets perspective, there is no regulation around helium the way there is for um, the way there is for natural gas. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about resources and you see people quote resources in the helium space. Uh, they don't say prospective resource, contingent resource, or reserve because there is no requirement around NI 5101 or the SEC to define those things, and that's that's important. Uh, it's important to the investment community. So people, when people talk about resources and having you know 20 billion or 14 billion, um, you know, in, in resource, it could well be a prospective resource and not um, not a contingent resource. You know, so it's it. One should be clear about that from a natural gases perspective. For those of you that are not familiar with uh, the industry as a whole, prospective resource is an idea that a a geologist or a geophysicist has, but it hasn't been drilled yet. A contingent resource is something where you've actually drilled a hole and you have a producible rate, so you know it's there. A reserve requires that you both have the volume, the producible rate, but that you have commerciality established. So you have sales agreements in place, then it's a reserve. And that's what the banks are interested in, you know, that you can actually sell it and has value. So that framework isn't set up in the helium space yet. And and we need to get that set up so that the investment community as a whole can have a comfort level around uh, who has what and and that these things are real. Great.
0: So we have about two minutes left. Uh, Is there a general message that you'd like to leave with our delegates?
1: Um. Yeah. Um. I think the general overall message would be is that that helium is important. Helium is really important to to our future uh, as a whole, and it's important because of its diversity of use inside the market uh the number of things that it's used for um is not going to decrease it's expanding um and so the demand is going to go up it is non-renewable and it is rare in concentration on the earth so we're looking at concentrations of one percent to find economic values you're not wandering around finding 10 and 20 percent helium right that doesn't happen so um it is a precious resource and the people that actually use it on commercial for commercial purposes that you know there's a little there's there's a the anti-balloon market they're all in favor of because using it for balloons is like what are you doing um you know it's um so it it is critically important to us Alberta has an important role to play in this Alberta has a has a market in front of us and the Alberta government needs to get serious about about the importance of the helium market and uh, and the value to to all of us, Burton as the markets diversify, um, and and we as geoscientists have a have an important role to play in the exploration for helium and the understanding of it, uh, because at this point in time, um, the entire helium system is uh, is is not as understood as you might think it'd be. And Allison, just reflecting on our careers, I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking, really, was it only 1970, in the 1970s that we thought about source rocks and hydrocarbon systems as a whole? And, you know, we didn't really, people, people were still drilling for deep structures, thinking that he, that oil could come from the Cambrian and all, you know, even though there were no sort rocks deep into the seventies. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and so, you know, we're, we're at that kind of level
0: right, in the human right.
1: exploration space. Excellent.
0: Well, that's our time. I'd like to thank you, David, for taking time out of your day to participate in this conversation. I really appreciate your enthusiasm and ideas for emerging helium development. Thank you again on behalf of Geo Convention for sharing your thoughts today.
1: It's been a great pleasure, Allison. Thank you so much.